listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Today, if you didn't hear, um, well, let me, let me just preface by saying some people saw the title may not even know uh, who Travis Scott is. So again, the title today is uh, Five Things We Can Learn from the Deaths at the Travis Scott Concert in Houston. Travis Scott's con- concert in Houston. Uh, morning, John Man, I love you. And I realize that there are people that watch this uh, broadcast that may have absolutely no idea who uh, Travis Scott is, but he's a very well-known uh, rapper and uh, was doing a concert in Houston this w- last weekend on Friday. And uh, for those of you who may not know what happened, I'll read the article from the Houston Chronicle in a minute, which by the way was updated this morning around 7 a.m. Talk to you about that. And then we're going to talk about what we can learn from what took place at that concert because there are some interesting things that I want to uh, cover with you uh, today about that and oh, really eye-opening stuff that you need to, you need to be aware of. But let me read to you, uh, just for those of you that don't know what happened, let me start by just kind of covering it with the, the article that the Houston Chronicle released. I believe they originally released it on Friday and, um, they updated it today, this morning at seven o'clock in the morning, uh, just to know what's going on. So there was a, uh, One of his concerts took place Friday night in Houston and uh, huge, looked like huge attendance. We have a picture. If you want to show the picture of the attendance of the, I mean, it was, it was packed in. People were like packed in for the concert. And so this is in Houston, Texas uh, for the Travis Scott concert. And, um, and so you can see, obviously I didn't see one mask in that picture. I didn't see any social distancing in that picture whatsoever. Uh, which we're going to get to in a moment, but uh, people packed in to see Travis Scott perform in in Texas. Uh, but this is what the Houston Chronicle writes um, for thirty. The, actually, the title of this article, which obviously we'll put in the uh, Cody said, over fifty thousand tickets sold to that uh, concert. Fifty thousand tickets for thirty-seven. This is the title of the Houston Chronicle article for thirty-seven minutes after officials declared a mass casualty at Astroworld, Travis Scott played on. And so, um, oh yeah, people were blasting worship music in their homes because they saw pictures or videos of the concert felt so demonic to them. Yeah, but, but beyond that, listen to this. For 37 minutes after Houston police and firefighters responded to a mass casualty event at a packed Astroworld rap concert, where attendees were crushed against the stage Friday evening, Travis Scott continued performing. And police officials said the promoter, Live Nation, agreed to cut the show shortly after multiple people collapsed at 9.38 p.m. But concert attendees said Scott appeared to play his whole set and uh, finished at around 10.15 p.m., 37 minutes after the people are dead. Concert staff actually... To be honest with you, it actually might be longer than that because we don't know when they passed away. We just know when the police declared a mass casualty at the event. Concert staff ignored pleas from fans to halt the show, Uh, including, now listen to this, including some of the fans who climbed up onto camera platforms to point out the fact that others had collapsed and needed medical attention. And then a review of videos and social media posts showed that uh, and documented that one of the it was one of the deadliest concerts in U.S. history. Uh, it raises questions about the official timeline of events, obviously put forth by local officials. Well, nobody wants to make themselves look bad, so why would you say like, yeah, we knew about this and we just didn't get there in time? Well, obviously, um, but the the article goes on to say, Houston. Now listen to this. Listen to this. Houston Police Chief Troy Finner said he had enough officers on site to handle the crowd of 50,000. But he also said he could not have abruptly ended the show for fear of sparking a riot that his department could not control. 
Um, now listen, the delay restricted the movement of first responders who were transporting limp, they were still transporting limp bodies by the time that he ended his show, right? So it says here now, that, now this is extremely sad, eight people died, eight people died, including a 14-year-old and a 16-year-old high school students, two of those high school students. And then it says scores, we don't even know how many at this point yet, scores of people were injured. Um, and as you can see, put the, uh, can you put the, um, the crowd shot back up again? Scores of people were injured. So there's the, one of the shots of the crowd. Can you show the other shot of the stage? So they have the other shot of the stage where people are packed in uh, right up to the edge of the stage. Apparently people broke through um, the crowd barriers and we're right up against the stage. And of course, as has happened in other countries and in other events, um, people just keep pressing forward, pressing forward until the people at the front are just crushed to death or crushed so hard that they're injured. And so there you have the picture of the stage, um, which does not look like a praise and worship set to me. And then of course, the, the picture of the crowd that you saw people packed in over 50,000 tickets sold. Now, I gr granted, this is in uh, Texas, but I want to give you uh, five things that we need to take away and can take away from what happened. Obviously, extremely sad what's, what happened and what's going on in our world, but um, they say eight people, Eric, Eric says, people that work in local hospitals are saying up to 100. So people may have died after being taken off the field is the point that Eric's making. Um, that people, there were people that died right at the show, eight people, but as they're transporting limp bodies, people may have passed away from the injuries. So we don't know fully like how many people are dead from the injuries they sustained at the concert. Um, before, before I didn't download it cause it's not even worth watching. But if you watch, uh, Travis Scott's like apology video that he put out on his Instagram story, I believe it is. It's an, it's just like laughable. Like it's, it, I'll tell you what it looks like. It looks like somebody said to him, you probably should put out, uh, you should probably put out a video on your social media, letting everybody know like how sad you are that people died at your concert. That's exactly what it looks like. Someone pulled him aside and was like, Hey, can you do a story real quick? Uh, telling people like how sad you are that people fans died at your show. If you go and watch it, like it's online now, so you can like see it. People have sure have screenshotted it and whatever or screen recorded it. And if you, if you watch it, it's so forced and it's so disingenuous. Like I, I can't even imagine that it's even real, you know? And, and so obviously it's just like him trying to look distraught with his hand on his head. I mean, it's like, you could tell that he doesn't like give a crap, but like, you know, oh man, I really love my fans a lot. You know, I just, we're working so hard to find out what happened. I'll tell you what happened. You kept on performing as people are dying. And that's exactly what happened is, uh, you know, he's right there front, front and center on the stage. People are right there being crushed, crushed against the, uh, the stage and collapsing and dying. And, uh, you keep performing for almost 40 minutes after people are dead. Um, so we need to, uh, we'll cover five things today. And if you haven't shared this, you need to share it because it needs to be heard. Things like this that happen, you can, you can just be sad about it or you can write in your, your social media prayers for Houston, which means absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing because nothing happened to the city. It happened to people at a concert in the city. Um, and even saying prayers for families, it, it, you, ha you have to learn, you have to take things away. Um, and this isn't going to be a safety broadcast, but I'm going to show you some things that uh, your mind should be on and that should, as a Christian, should put you into a place. Maybe you, you're watching this because you found it on the search and you're not a Christian. I'm encouraging you to stick around as well because there's some things that I wanna talk to you about as well. But number one, the first thing that we should see about this uh, taking place is, uh, as I showed that, and we can even show it again, we, the, um, the picture of the crowd, is that ma the mass hysteria that's still being promoted by the media is not being believed by the majority of society. Now I will, obviously this is Texas. I get it. This is Texas. 
you know, Texas and Florida, they're different beasts or whatever. But let's keep something in mind when we talk about this. The only reason that Texas and Florida are different is because we made it that way, is because we stood up to the nonsense and we made it that way. We have governors that made it that way, that have pushed back on stupidity. And so Governor Abbott and, of course, our governor uh, have pushed back. And so it's not just random that Texas and Florida are like that. We made it that way, you know, by the way that we reacted to what's going on. Um, And so one of the things you need to see is people are packing it into these events. Go look at sporting events. You know, it's very sad. Lena said there's a video where you hear the crowd screaming help and everything. And just to keep on going, you know, over the top of all that, which I'll deal with in a minute. But number one thing I want you to see is if you just watched mainstream media and all that's being told to us and all the things that are happening, you'd think that we were in like the greatest crisis that ever was. And people are not buying it anymore. They're just not buying it. And uh, people are, are really pushing back as hard as anyone can push back. You look at um, things like this. Look at sporting events, even in places where it's, you don't have a governor Abbott or, you know, like our governor. Um, And it's like, even on CNN, they can't believe it. You know, they were showing, I remember one broadcast, they were showing pictures of uh, college football games, college football attendance, and the people were packed in. There wasn't a mask in sight, no social distancing, packed into the stadiums. And um, it's just insane. And people are pushing back with every thing they have at all these events. So keep this in mind when they're trying to push this on you, you know, that, um, you know, people are, you know, people are afraid and people are whatever. Keep this in mind when you have all this propaganda coming at you, uh, from the mainstream media that uh, think logically, first of all, we've got people packed in, which means people aren't believing it anymore. Bottom line. And if we're in such a terrible position, did you ever stop to think about this? And this is obviously not where this broadcast is going, but it's worth mentioning. If we're in such a terrible position, like everybody is trying to say that we are, how can states afford to fire tens of thousands of nurses and doctors uh, who refuse to take the jab? How, if, if they're in such dire need of help in the hospitals, how can you afford, like, I th- what, what was New York's, New York state, 37,000 nurse. I think it was 37,000 nurses. Somebody can fact check me on that. Cause I don't know the exact number, but how can you afford in one state to fire tens of thousands of nurses and doctors? If you're in such a critical situation where you can't handle, you know, all the people that are coming in and all this stuff, people just straight up aren't believing it anymore. People just aren't believing it anymore. So, so one of the things you have to keep in mind when you see these things happen, what happened on Friday in Houston would not have even been able to happen if people were still believing the nonsense, because you would have a a concert where there was far less of a crowd than 50,000 and you would have had full social distancing, six feet in every direction. You wouldn't have even been able to crush people against the stage if people still believed all the things that are going on. It's absolutely about money. It's absolutely about kickbacks to the government. It's absolutely about how much they've spent on developing with these pharmaceutical companies. It absolutely is about control. There was an article, I believe, uh, in the Guardian today, uh, or maybe, maybe it was, yeah, maybe it was published this morning because they're what, six hours ahead now that we're back an hour. So, uh, an article in the, in the Guardian, get the jab to keep your freedoms. That was, that was the headline in the article and somebody tweeted it and put it posted. Oh, so not for our health. (laughs) So that was, that was the guardian article, get the jab to keep your freedoms. It's like, that's just so blatant on the front page. How else can you read that? It's like, we don't care about your health. We don't care about your well being. If you want your freedom, you will do what we say. And that's what people are fully waking up to the nonsense and you can see it by these events where they're packing in uh, by the tens of thousands, sporting events, entertainment events, that the average person in society, uh, I'm not talking about the the SJW, the the crying, you know, far left, uh, you know, I'm talking about the average person in society. They're living their normal lives. They're just doing things like they've always done them. 
And so the first thing that you need to see uh, right off the bat from this event is that you can clearly look at those pictures and recognize that society is not uh, believing the nonsense that's coming out of the mainstream media. They're just not believing it. They're going, going on about their lives. You know, somebody said, what would, uh, what would 2021 be if you could get into one picture? And I posted it on my Instagram and it was just like a mask on the ground, trampled underfoot by people. And I took the picture of the, of the dirty mask that was trampled. I said, if that that's 2021 in one picture is the people are done. They're done with the foolishness and they can clearly see now that, uh, it's just something for control purposes, something for control purposes. So show, show it one more time. Show the, show the crowd shot at the concert and clearly see it. Yeah. They, everybody looks very afraid. Everybody looks very nervous there at the concert. I don't see any masks and I don't see any social distancing. I see smiling faces. People don't look worried. That's because people aren't worried like they used to be. And so I want to go on. Not just that we now step into the realm of prophecy. Um, the second thing that I want you to see, um, it's interesting that Paul prophesied these things about the last days. And I'm in second Timothy chapter three, and he writes this specifically to a, uh, a younger minister, Timothy, his son in the gospel. You can ask the question, Robert, I'll, I'll get to it if I can. Um, and he said, you should know this. I'm starting in verse one, uh, verse one, second Timothy three and verse one, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, there'll be very difficult times. For people will only love themselves and their money. Catch that. Boastful, proud, and scoffing at God. They'll only love themselves and their money. So lovers of themselves. This, I mean, you couldn't put, make this any more plain in the generation we live. We live in the selfie generation. There's never been a generation like that before. This is the selfie generation. You cannot point to anything that's more fulfilling of this prophecy than what we see today. And let me just say something to you. Do you think any of these things like, uh, an artist not wanting to cancel a concert? Why not wanting to refund the ticket sales, you know, or even cancel a concert. You don't think any of those things run through the minds. I don't, I don't know if somebody's still on, maybe Uchenna, you can Google it or something about how much a ticket to that concert cost. I don't know how much a ticket to that concert cost, but, uh, you know, one of the main ways artists are making their money today, it's not on music because streaming pays nothing. It's through ticket sales, merch, different things like that. So if you've got 50,000 tickets and I have no idea what a, a ticket cost is going for, uh, I'm sure we can find it on Google, but let's say we've got 50,000 tickets. You have any numbers at all? Okay, so it goes from $40 at the lowest end to $500 at the high end. But let's stick with like something like 50 bucks because that's at the low end and it's a round number. Uh, all right, 50,000 times 50 is $2.5 million. 2.5 million, that's at the lowest end of the ticket spectrum. So that concert right there brought in from just from ticket sales, not from merch sales, anything else, just tickets, $2.5 million. I don't know what he, what he paid the arena. Uh, Leslie says about $311 for floor seats. So it could be much, much more. It could be 5 million. It could be, you know, if we did $250 a ticket, we're looking at 12 and a half million dollars. Okay. So let's just say on an average that like $7 million came in seven to 10 million. Do you honestly think that an artist wants to, you don't think that's running through his mind when he's like, you know what, if I stop the show now, there's people that are going to ask for a refund. Maybe everybody's going to ask for a refund. That's seven to $10 million. You don't think those kinds of things go through people's minds when they're making a decision on whether or not they should stop the concert or cancel the concert. Let me tell you, it does, especially for some unsaved reprobate that is, uh, you know, that li is living for money, you know, living for money that loves money. You don't think that that's running through his head, man, if I, I would have to, cause who knows how much of that he gets? What if he gets a 50% cut? You know, now we're talking about three and a half million dollars at the low end that goes into his pocket. Who wants to take three and a half million dollars out of their own pocket and throw it away? Nobody does. 
And if you don't think that's something that's going through someone's mind when those decisions are about to be made, then you're not thinking. And this is a generation you could see clearly from Travis Scott, because I mean, if you can't tell from the video that he released, that is so disingenuous, it might as well be somebody's mom telling them to go apologize to their brother or sister when they're not really sorry. You go watch the video for yourself. It's ridiculous. I watched it this morning. It's ridiculous. And um, you talk about somebody being a lover of themselves and a lover of money. How do you continue? You say, well, he may not have known they were dead. If you've got people collapsing all over your concert and people are screaming help at your concert, and you're right front and center stage, and you're seeing the people being crushed against your stage, and people are collapsing down. Don't tell me that you didn't know it was going, I didn't know there was anything going on, didn't know we had a problem. But the thing is, when responders came to the scene, 40 minutes worth, 37 minutes to the, to the minute, he keeps on performing as responders are there for, for a mass casualty event at his concert. So if you don't think that's a lover, a lover of yourself, lover of money, I don't know what else you could define as a lover of yourself and a lover of your money. Uchenna put in there, Travis Scott's people set, spent $5 million just to construct the demonic setup of a stage. So look at this. Uh, look at this. AJ said, brother, there was many ambulances in between the people pulling out bodies. Um, there's a video, Leslie said, of him looking at one of the lifeless bodies being uh, crowd surfed on top. Uh, so there's no way to say he didn't know, you know, uh, there's no way to say Travis Scott didn't know if there's, if there's a, no bigger picture of lovers of self, lovers of money, this is it. This is it right here. What we've got going on. This is lovers of yourself, lovers of your money. I'm going to go on because one of the things that I want you to pile on top of this is, is very, very interesting, but I want you to listen to it. Not just lovers of themselves and lovers of money, boastful and proud, scoffing at God. You know, the governor of New York, who I won't even dignify by saying his name, scoffing at God. God didn't do this. Prayer didn't do this. We did this. We're living in that generation, scoffing at God. But listen to this. They will be cruel and have no self-control and hate what is good. You see that, that's verse three. They will be, they'll have no self-control, they'll be cruel, they will hate what is good. Continuing a concert for 40 minutes as people are dead and people are trying to get bodies out is beyond cruel, but it is cruel. No self-control. He loves his money so much, loves himself so much, he doesn't even have enough control to stop what he's doing. This is, you couldn't have any more uh, pure of an example of what Paul's talking about in the last days. There's no, there's no greater example than what's going on this last Friday. No, no greater example whatsoever. Crazy. It's crazy. And we can clearly see it. Of course, you're not going to expect better from you know, a sinner, you're not going to expect better from a reprobate. Of course, he's dead in trespasses and in sins. You know, it's like, it may, I, I can't even tell you, like, I'm not laughing at the event. I'm laughing at him watching his video, talking about how much he's, you know, he's praying for the families and praying for the people. Like, who are you praying to? You're not a Christian. You don't serve God. God doesn't even hear your prayers. The only prayer God hears from, from a sinner is the prayer of repentance. So you can keep on praying all you want. It means nothing. What a disingenuous, stupid, and crappy thing to say. Well, we're pray, you know, prayers, prayers for the families, and I'm praying, and praying. It's like, you're not praying. You're high. Bro, you're high right now. It's like, it's so stupid. I can't even begin to define the stupidity uh, of what happened at the concert, what happened in his video afterwards. He sh- and people calling for him to be canceled. He should be canceled. He should be charged by the police department is what he should be. Lovers of themselves, lovers of their money, cruel, no self-control, hating what is good, hating what is good. Let me keep on going. Um, The third thing we should take away. Oh yeah, it's definitely demonic, Tanya. No, no question about it. Definitely demonic. And, um, yeah, sued and charged. I, I totally agree. 
I totally agree. Um, but let me go on because it's beyond that. It's not like I was expecting better, you know, from Travis Scott. Like, man, I really thought he was a more righteous dude than that. Like, I don't expect that. You know what I'm saying? I don't expect that from him because I know that he's not a Christian. It's like the same thing with, uh, you know, with, uh, with, with Joe Biden and his, his daughter Ashley's journal being discovered that they took away from the house. My cousin and I talked about it on stereo yesterday. Um, you know, Ashley Biden's journal where she said, you know, she was molested by her father, you know, all these different things. Well, it's not like I was looking at Joe Biden like, I can't believe he'd do something like that. You know, the president that sniffs every eighth grader that comes into the Oval Office. It's like, I'm not expecting better from them. They're, they're wretched people. They're wretched people. But at the same time, when things happen, it is shocking to the natural mind when these things do happen. But it's Bible prophecy being fulfilled. Number three, the third thing you can see clearly, you can see it clearly. Pop the picture of the crowd back up. I want to see it one more time. The, the third thing, look at these people. Look at the smiles on their faces. Look at their phones in the air. Look at them packed in together. The third thing we need to learn from um, that what happened in this concert is, as you can clearly see it, people are hungry to be a part of something. This is what we need to see. People are hungry to be a part of something. You know, you see it not just with these concerts. You know, one of the things that, uh, one of the things that it'd be interesting to talk about, there's a, there's a guy who, he's a blogger, he's a writer. His name is Seth Godin, very popular blogger and very popular writer and speaker. Seth Godin wrote a book uh, at one point called Tribes. And he talks about in the book Tribes how uh, all of us, we form tribes even without knowing we do, we do. Because that's the way that society has lived for thousands of years, is that you align yourself with your tribe, right? And it can be anything. It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's Mac, Mac people versus PC people. It's coffee versus tea. It's Yankees versus Red Sox. It's, you know, it's it, whatever you, you align yourself with your tribe. You hang out with people who have similar interests that you have. And the tribe begins to form. The tribe can form about something very small. I mean, it can be very small. You know, at the same time, it can be something very, uh, very dynamic, like, uh, the fact that I'm a Holy ghost filled Christian, that's my tribe. Holy ghost filled Christians are my tribe, but that's a, a very impactful and dynamic thing, but it can be something as simple as, you know, people that enjoy their Nespresso machines and they like making Nespresso's in the morning. And there's, there's whole groups of people that love Nespresso and they get together and they talk about it. Oh, what's your favorite flavor? It could be people. I can remember, um, you can unite with people about something as small. I remember when there was a show on television called Lost. Some of y'all may, may remember that show, Lost. This was before there were streaming services and stuff like that. And a huge tribe formed around the show Lost. And every week there were message boards online. What do you think is happening? What do you think's going on on the island? What do you think the, the bear meant? What do you think the Dharma Initiative is? And all this stuff and stuff, right? And, and what happened? A tribe formed around something as small as a television show. And so uh, one of the things we can see is that people have a strong desire to be a part of something, to be connected with something. Look at 50,000 tickets sold in that one place for the Travis Scott concert. They, they're the Travis Scott tribe. They will wear the Travis Scott Astroworld t-shirts out. They have the merch. They, you know, my daughter's. My oldest daughter, Maddie, loves to watch, um, you know, uh, a, a channel called Dude Perfect, and she likes to watch another channel uh, called More J Stew. And the, the, the funny thing is, is how much of a part of the tribe that she actually is without even recognizing it or calling it that. But she'll watch every video that they release uh, to the point where my wife had an idea. She said, wouldn't it be great to take Maddie uh, as a surprise to the more J stew live concert that they're doing, uh, out, you know, I think we went to Colorado where they, where they're based. And, um, the, she said, this would be so awesome. And Maddie found out she was so excited, but you know what she did, right? We went there and I was surprised to know this. This is how much of a part of a tribe. My daughter is, she didn't just know the stars of the YouTube channel. She knew all the behind the scenes staff. She was like, that's so-and-so, he edits their videos. That's so-and-so, he does that. And like, knew them. 
And then what did she want? She wanted to buy the merch. She wanted to have the shirts. She wanted to have the sticker packs. She wanted all that stuff. Why? She's a part of the tribe. And uh, it's, it's interesting to me. Yeah, the, all, those guys are all Christians. Uh, even the guys from More J. Stu, they gave a salvation altar call at the end of their concert. Um, they're, they're in Colorado. But what's crazy is that you, people gravitate to a tribe and then you, then you what connect with the people that are in it. This kind of stuff shows you, and it should be fresh in your mind. People are looking for connection. They're looking for connection. And I don't believe that many Christians have done a good enough job of discipleship and soul winning, which brings people together under the banner of Jesus Christ. That is, that's why I said earlier, that is our tribe. Holy Ghost filled Christians. That is our tribe. If there's anything that I want to connect with someone about, above all other things, it's the fact that we both serve Jesus Christ, that we're on our way to heaven. In fact, it's so important that Paul, the apostle instructed us to guard our tribe. Do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. That's what he encouraged the Corinthians. Don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. For what relationship does light have with darkness? Or does God have or Christ have with the devil? What, what agreement can there be between someone who serves God and someone who is in rebellion toward God? And so the thing that we need to recognize here is the number one tribe that should be talked about, obviously, is Christianity, bringing people into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because in all reality, what is it that these tribes are serving as? Something that bring people joy and fulfillment, right? They, if they didn't enjoy it, they wouldn't do it. You know, I love coffee too. I enjoy coffee, but let me tell you something. Coffee doesn't save my soul. You know, I can drink the best coffee in the world. It won't take me to heaven. I enjoy college football, but college football is not going to, it's not going to turn my life around and destroy strongholds. It's not like I'm going to attend a West Virginia university game and come out, you know, free from addiction. It doesn't work that way, but people are looking for fulfillment and satisfaction from the tribes they associate with and from the people that they meet within those tribes. And see, this needs to be something and I, and I, and Christians need to pick this up because this right here is the thing we have a tribe. So I call you guys the victory tribe. We are a tribe of people believing God for the best, believing God for miracles, signs, wonders to see the harvest come in and understand something with me. People are hungry to be a part of a tribe, but why would we just push them off to things that don't mean anything? You know, college football team that you love is not going to change your life. You don't even have any direct interaction with it. You watch the games. You don't get to call plays. You don't get to draft players or, or get, get involved in the pipeline of recruitment. None of that. But you go and you're so, people are so uh, faithful to their team. They wear the gear. They're there on Sunday uh, for NFL. They're there on Saturday for the college games. All those things. The tribe is important. People are hungry for connection. And one of the things that we've made a mistake of is we've made the mistake of keeping our Christian life and our churches so inwardly focused that it becomes clicky. And then we even, I've seen it to the extreme where you've got outside people that come in to, to uh, visit the church and people look at them like, what are you even doing here? Like, why are you here? And this, there's not an embracing of those people. There's not a, a reaching out. There's not a, there's not a discipling, all these different things. We're missing it when we need to understand that the number one thing people are looking for is to be connected with something that's meaningful to their own life. And you can see that from what was going on at the concert. That's obviously people that would consider themselves to be part of the Travis Scott tribe without question. And that needs to be kept in front of our face because there is literally a time shortage we're dealing with a time shortage. You're like, what do you mean by that? Jesus is coming back again. And we are in a time shortage, which means that we have to do everything we can to bring people into the family of God before it's too late. And that's, see, part of this is becoming outwardly focused, which I'm going I'm to move on about. Number, number four, because I want to I get it all in like this. I want you to see how these points are connected to each other. Number four 
if we're seeing that, we see that there's people that are desiring connection. But then look at this. Number four, the fourth thing we can learn from this concert is that what Paul prophesied, going back to this 2 Timothy 3 prophecy, one of the things that he said is this. People would be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's verse four, second Timothy three, four. So he prophesies in the last days, people will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Now catch this with me, if you will, we're living in a time, you know, as I said, here's what this, this is actually mind blowing to me, which is why you can see it's a deception for the people of God. People have fully entered back into society again. I mean, the pictures show it there of the concert. We see it. They're reporting it on college games, professional sporting events. People have fully entered back in. I was at the mall a couple of days ago in Miami, jam-packed. It was jam-packed. People everywhere. People have fully entered back in. Go to Walmart. The lines are long. Go to Home Depot. The lines are long. Go to Lowe's. Go to Fresh Market. Go to uh, Farm Fresh or whatever you have around you, H-E-B. The lines are long. People have fully entered back into society and the only place, now I want you to get this because I know it's true because I'm a minister and I travel and I see what's going on. The only place that people have not fully entered back into is church attendance. It's the only place. Why? Let me ask you a question. Why are pastors... At the end of 2021, which is where we are now, if you're watching this later, why are pastors still looking into the live stream camera and encouraging their church people to get back in church on Sunday? Hey, we've done online church for long enough. We want to encourage you to get back in the house, get back in the house. Why is church the only place where people have not yet entered back into society? They're still going to Walmart. They're still going to sporting events. They're still going to Lowe's and Home Depot and they're still going to movies and they're still going to the mall. They're still doing all concerts. They're doing stuff like that, but they're not coming to church like they did before. That shows you that it was not just an attack against the nation. It's attack against what God's doing. And, and, the, and people are literally, I believe that there are many Christians that have gotten lazy through everything that's, that's been going on. They've gotten lazy and they're sitting around watching church in their sweatpants on the couch. If they're even turning it on, I mean, if they're even turning it on and don't tell me it's the same because it's not the same. And, and pastors, there's pastors that are literally having to stand up and say, and, and obviously many of them were the same ones who were trying to like come up with an answer as to why they're just going online only. You know, the building's not the church. You know, we're the church. And so, you know, watch online, you know, because we're the church. It's not about a building. It's about, and then, you know, when it was all over and we could meet again, you know what, we need to get back in the building. You know, everything flip-flopped. And I'm telling you, it's the only place where people have not entered back in. There are people that are laying out of church while they're going everywhere else. They're lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. I can tell you one thing. I bet you money. I would bet you money that there were people at that Travis Scott concert that go to church and call themselves Christians. I bet you money that not everybody at the Travis Scott concert was a sinner. I'll bet you. I'll bet you. Look at, for example, yeah, Cheryl makes a great point. We had a huge Tasha Cobb concert here in Rochester, packed, same people are not going back to church now, nor in the future. We just, Orlando, Maverick City just came to Orlando, jammed. Just came to BB&T here, jammed. Uh, or not BB&T, but um, First Baptist here, jammed. Uh, Elevation Worship Wednesday night was just at BB&T, right here where I live, and it was full. People will go to those Christian events, but not back to their church. There's a problem. You got a problem. And I heard one minister mention it this way. We're living in a Saul type generation. What is a Saul generation? Look at Saul. He loved the worship. He loved when David would come in and play and the evil spirit would leave his mind, but he didn't love God enough to obey his commands. 
So we have a Saul generation, people, they love the worship, but they don't love the obedience. They don't love the work. They don't love the word, but they love the worship. They love the worship. we got people that will go by the tens of thousands, tens of thousands to go to worship, but they won't do what the Bible actually says and go to church and go to church. And so let me just tell you something. It's because people are lover, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. We have people that will, they want to worship, but they don't want to do the word. And the, the thing that I see that's dangerous when you combine part uh, number three and number four together, we have, we have a problem here because look at what's going on. Now, Jesus said this 2000 years ago, the harvest is white and ready to be reaped. The harvest is white and ready to be reaped. Work while it's yet day, the night's coming where no man can work. So here we've got an issue. We combine number three and number four, and here's the problem. People in the world are hungry to be a part of something. They're hungry to be a part, to to find something that's gonna fulfill their life. Then we've got church people who've allowed themselves to grow cold and to become lethargic and put their lives on cruise control. So the ones who should truly be on fire and reaching the ones that are hungry, the devil has flip-flopped it and made the world hungry and the church disinterested. Get this in your spirit. The devil has worked hard to flip-flop it. Not that the church is on fire and the world is disinterested. Now it's opposite. You've got the world hungry and wanting and searching and the church is disinterested and they're cold. And so what's the point? What's the point of being a Christian if you've put life on cruise control and you've become somebody that's coasting through and not doing anything God's called you to do? That's exactly right. AJ makes a great point. Worship movements don't keep you in relationship with God. They take you into his presence, but the word keeps you there. Worship takes you there. The word keeps you there. Excellent comment, AJ. Excellent comment and very, very true. Michael says, why offer services online if it's not the same as going to church? Are you still not hearing the word of of God? Well, obviously you can hear hear the word of God anywhere and everywhere. But how do you carry out, Michael, the ordinances of the church that we're commanded to carry out if you're only online? How do you lay hands on the sick like the Bible commands? There's a question. How do you baptize in water? How do you take communion together? How do you do all, how do you anoint with oil? How do you do any of the things that we're commanded to do by just watching online? You can't. And that's the problem. The problem is it's the, the, the whole point. Not only that, we're not commanded uh, to just hear something. We're commanded to gather together in person. We're commanded to gather together in person in the scripture. So that's, a, that's something that we have to obey unequivocally. And then all the things that happen when we do are built into that. And that's part of the Christian experience. And it, you know, it's, it's nice for the word to be able to be available online. It's a wonderful technology, but it does not replace the church by any means. You, for example, if all people did was watch my broadcast, it's not enough. This is a supplement to local church. I want you to understand that. My broadcast does not replace local church. It doesn't replace you being faithful to the house of God, being under a pastor. None of that. It's a supplement for your faith. It's a supplement for your spirit, but it doesn't replace it. You should never just say, well, you know, I don't go to church, but I watch Ted's broadcast. You're you're in disobedience to God. You have to be a part of what God's doing in the local church. Submitted under a ministry gift that is correcting you that is guiding you, speaking to you, encouraging you. You see what I mean? And that's, that's very important. I can't stress that enough. Let me give you the final thing here. You see the danger, but the, the, the thing that I want the final thing I want to take away from the concert is this, catch it with me. Eternity is closer than we think. That's number five. The fifth thing we take away from the concert is this, and this is probably the most important of all of them. Eternity is closer than we think. I guarantee you. Now, right now we know eight people died at the concert. 
may, people may be dying after they might be. Someone said they're reporting a hundred now in the hospitals. I don't know. I don't know the total number, but I can tell you if we just focus on the eight, I guarantee you that none of those eight people went to that concert that night expecting not to come home. I guarantee you two of those high school students, 14 and 16 years old, I guarantee you the eight people that went there did not expect to die there that night. They didn't have an expectation that their life was coming to an end. Now you tell me how tragic it is that you've got eight people that we know about that entered quickly into eternity without the expectation of eternity. Were they ready to see Jesus? I doubt it. I hope. Is that what it said, Uchenna? He said it's disheartening too when he had a big sign up in fire that said, see you on the other side. See you on the other side. Sadly, sadly, we're hoping that those people don't see him on the other side because the other side will be hell. And, and I guarantee you they didn't go there Friday night with the expectation of slipping into eternity that fast to the point where you've got now people who will, you will never see them again. So wherever their life was on that night is where their life ended. If they were in a place where they were not in right standing with God, that is how their life ended on that night. And the thing that people need to get in their spirit and in their mind, people live like we've got forever to live. Seriously, that's how people in our generation live, like we've got forever to live. That's how flippantly people are living their lives. People are making choices like we've got a hundred years. One of the coolest things I saw that keeps it in front of your face, they make a wall calendar for your office now that marks your life off in weeks. And I guess they do it by the average age that a, a person passes away. And whether that be 80 years old or whatever, but, but think about this. I don't, and I don't know what the average age of death in America is, but every week you fill one of the circles in with black. And then you can look at that wall calendar and you can see visually how many weeks of your life you have left on average. And so if I'm about to be 40 years old, half of my circles would be colored in. I would look at that. Now, of course, we're, I'm believing to live a long, long life if Jesus doesn't come, but for the average person. That'll shake you up when you look at the wall calendar and recognize half of my life is behind me. I'm halfway through, halfway to death. I mean, that's one way to think about it. I am halfway to death. It's interesting, Gary Vee, who's a, a marketer online, he, he's a, a media guy uh, and a motivational speaker among many things, but he was leaving an event one time and someone ran up to his window and said to him with their cell phone out and recording him, uh, Give me three words, just three words before you go. Three words that will motivate me in my business and all the, all the things that I'm doing. He said, three words. She's like, yeah, just three words. It doesn't have to be long. He said, all right, you will die. Those were the three words that he chose to motivate that woman. You will die. Time is flying by. I mean, I look now, my daughter's 11. My other daughter's eight. My son is five. I remember when they were babies driving them home from the hospital. I'm going to be 40. I'm not old. And I'm, I'm not young. I'm just kind of in the middle. I'm 40 is what I am. So it's like, you know, you, you think of that life flies by, you don't have all this, you know, and people, and here's the other thing. If you're not a Christian and the protective hand of God is not over your life, then let me ask you a question. Do, do people not, re and I guess, I guess they don't. Do people not realize that their life could end today? And I'm not even talking about the rapture. I'm just talking about the fact Something like the concert, something like a car accident, some, what all these things, you could slip into eternity that quickly, slip into eternity and people aren't ready to see Jesus. People aren't ready. This should be at the forefront of every believer's mind and every believer's heart that we keep the words of Jesus ever in front of our eyes from John chapter nine and verse four. And he told his disciples, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is yet day for the night is coming where no man can work. The night is coming where no man can work. That means urgency, limited time offer, urgency, limited time offer. And, and as we look through these things, we know that we're living in the last days. We're seeing the signs all around us, but the thing we got to realize is 
And I know you can't change everybody, but you can, you can always make adjustments for yourself. And I'm, I'm praying the people that are watching this today, it's an eye opener. It makes you introspective to realize I need to, if you're a Christian, I need to be on fire, motivated. If you're a pastor watching this, take a look at your church. Is it clicky? Visitors come in. Does everybody look at them at the side, out of the side of their eye? What's he doing here? Doesn't he know this is a family church? Is that how your church is? Or are people welcoming? Are you doing outreach? Are people coming in and being saved? Don't let your people uh, literally let their fire die and just be coals, gray coals on a dead, cold fire. Something that used to be blazing is now cold and dead. And see, let me, let me encourage you. It's a daily discipline to stay on fire for God. It's daily. It's not annually at the 21 day fast at the beginning of the year. No, it doesn't carry you through the whole year. It's a daily discipline to stay on fire for God. I'm going to pray two prayers at the end of this broadcast because I understand people may have just found this broadcast on YouTube because they were searching Travis Scott and wanted to know what happened at the concert. I'm going to give you an opportunity. Maybe you've been watching and you stayed on. I'll give you an opportunity. You need to come to Jesus before time runs out. And so the first prayer I'm going to pray is if you're watching this or you're listening to this somehow on the podcast, it came up somehow and you found it or someone shared it with you. And you know you're not ready. If Jesus Christ, who is coming back, his resurrection is a verifiable historical fact. He is coming back to the earth. And if you're not ready to see Jesus when he comes, now is the time to be ready to see Jesus. And I want to lead you in a prayer. Why do I lead people in a prayer? Because the Bible says, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and that you will believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, which he did, then you will be saved. I lead people in a prayer to confess and to believe that Jesus is Lord and that he's alive. And if you're watching me, I want you to repeat this prayer with me right now. Pray with me. Father, thank you for sending your son to die for me. Today I ask you, Forgive me of my sin. Make me new. Give me the power to live for you for the rest of my life until I die or until you come. I confess Jesus is Lord and I believe you raised him from the dead. From this day forward, I am a child of God. Now listen, if you prayed that, here's what we want to do. First of all, congratulations and welcome to the family of God. But you know, we... we actually prepared things to help you take next steps with Jesus Christ. And we created free videos that you can access at any time. And all you have to do, and I don't know if you have a, a lower third to put up that they can see the website, Tiff, but we have free videos that we uh, prepared. And you can just go to miracleword.com forward slash saved. That is the link that you would click. It's in your comments section. It'll be in the description of the podcast, miracleword.com forward slash saved. And we have these videos that will teach you how to be strong and to walk with Christ successfully and to do what he's called you to do. The next, the next prayer that I want to pray for people that are watching today is this. If you're a Christian already, you're watching this, maybe you're part of the victory tribe. We've gone too long and I know you're on fire, but maybe there's people that are watching. They're not. The fire's been dying. They've not felt that same zeal. They don't feel that same uh, urgency that they once uh, felt. But today I'm going to pray that God would fill you with a fresh fire and a fresh urgency and that the power of the Holy Ghost would come upon you in a new measure. Father, I pray for every person that's watching, those that are listening. I pray that from this day, as happened for David when Samuel anointed him with oil and your word declares that from that day forward, the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. I pray that that fresh fire would come upon us as you did for the church in Acts chapter four, that they were praying and believing that you would show yourself strong and mighty and they were all refilled with the Holy Ghost. I pray that you would refill people today with the mighty power of your Holy Spirit. Refill people today with a fresh urgency and a hunger to do what you've called them to do. Let this be the greatest end of a year we've ever seen. Wonders belong to us at the end of 2021. 
and we're stepping into divine possession in 2022 in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for it. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' mighty name. Robert, I'm reading your comment now. Robert, those things, one of the things that I want people to understand is there are things that people are still struggling with as a believer. And you are saved through your faith in, the, in what Jesus Christ did. It's by grace through faith, not by works, lest any man should boast, the Bible says. Now, I'll pray today that those addictions would be broken off of your life. And you step out by faith and watch what God will do. But we're saved by grace through faith, the Bible says, in what Jesus Christ did. But I take authority over that addiction, those addictions that he mentioned. I take authority over the stronghold that they have upon his life. And I command that to be broken, prison doors to come open, chains fall off in the mighty name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for it. And I pray, Lord, that you'd give him that assurance in his spirit. And every lie of the devil be canceled against his mind and against his life. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. You guys know this. Carolyn and I and the team are doing every single thing that we can before it's too late to see people come to Jesus. When you attach yourself to this ministry, even financially, you're attaching yourself to a soul winning and a miracle and deliverance ministry. And that's why I'm encouraging those of you that are watching today to sow a seed, to take a step of faith. Time's running out, man. We don't have time to play games anymore. We don't have time to just coast through and have nice little church services and all that. We don't have time for that. We've got to go to war and do what Jesus has called us to do. And when you sow, I understand people that are watching, you can't quit your job and go out and hold crusades and, and do all the things. I know that, but that's why God connects us together and puts you as a part of this ministry and we're a part of your life. We pray for you, you're praying for us, you're sowing seeds and God's blessing you for what you're doing. And so I want to encourage you to do something today by faith, something that takes a step of faith to do, something that even your flesh may try to press back at you about. Say, I don't know about that. You know, that happens when people step out in faith, your flesh starts squealing. I don't know if that's the right move. Do what the Lord's telling you to do. You'll always be blessed. You know, we just went, my wife and I just got back from Dr. Rodney's uh, Ministers and Leaders Conference. And we'd are, we've sown a ton this year, like a ton. And we're still believing to do new things. But I was like, no, we're sowing more. We're going to continue to sow, not just to the ministry, but to the man of God himself. And we did it. And we did it by faith. We couldn't even leave the grounds before God blessed us through somebody came up and just sowed seed into us personally and sowed seed into the ministry. We couldn't even leave the, the field. Literally, we couldn't even leave the field before God cause that harvest to come back. And I'm just telling you, that's how God works. That's why the Bible says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. Isn't that amazing? Lena said, the Lord told me a few months ago, I was reaching millions. And I was like, how Lord? And he told me it's partnership with your ministry. Praise God. We're doing it together. God's joined us together. And I thank God for every one of you, every single one of you, every single one of you. I thank God for your faithfulness, for your connection with us, for your prayers, for your support. I love you. I truly do. I love being on these broadcasts with you every single day. Don't forget we're live again tomorrow, again, Wednesday. And of course we're headed up towards Pennsylvania for the victory tribe homecoming weekend, which is Friday and Saturday. And so let me tell you, that Friday night, I'm so excited about. It's going to be a powerful Holy Ghost service at Central Assembly of God. Uh, 7 o'clock p.m. it starts. You're welcome to come. Bring people with you. It's going to be an awesome night. The whole team will be there. Got the band coming. We're going to jam. We're going to do praise, worship, uh, preach, lay hands on you, pray for your family, pray for breakthroughs at the end of the year. It's going to be a Holy Ghost service. And everybody's welcome to come. And then, of course, Saturday, we've got the lunch. And I can't wait to see the partners and spend time with you. Wednesday, Carolyn will be back uh, at 2 p.m. as well. Tomorrow, Bible Trivia is back again. And uh, it's going to be just a great week. I love you guys. We're in revival this week at uh, Abundant Life Church. My father's preaching uh, 
Preached yesterday, two services. Tonight, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We've got three services left. We would love to see you. All the details are on the website. Would love to have you come in to be a part of the services. We have people that have flown in and uh, we'd love to see you too. I love you guys. Have a great day. Thank you for sowing seeds. I'll see you again in the morning. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.